Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you guys about Paleo Valley and their apple cider vinegar complex. This is a phenomenal product to help improve your digestion, your blood sugar stability, and your energy levels. Most people are dealing with blood sugar imbalances, and that can lead you to have a crash in the afternoon where you need a nap. It can also lead to unwanted weight gain, to inflammation affecting your joints, your skin, and all different parts of your body. Well, you know what? Apple cider vinegar is one of the best things for helping improve your blood sugar stability. You simply take it with meals and it helps reduce the glycemic impact of the food that you're consuming. And that's going to help your body to burn fat for fuel. It's going to reduce overall levels of insulin. And insulin is your pro-inflammatory fat storage hormone. We want to get insulin under control. You know what I love about the apple cider vinegar complex that Paleo Valley made is they have a thousand milligrams of apple cider vinegar, which is equivalent to one and a half tablespoons. That is really the clinical dose to get the best results. On top of that, they combined it with 300 milligrams of turmeric, which is a powerful anti-inflammatory herb, 300 milligrams of ginger. These are warming herbs that support good digestion, good stomach acid production. They also help to reduce inflammation in the gut and throughout the body. And they have 150 milligrams of cinnamon, which is one of the best herbs for improving insulin sensitivity and blood sugar stability. And they added in 50 milligrams of lemon into the apple cider vinegar complex to support bile flow and pancreatic enzymes. So you can really optimize your digestion and your nutrient absorption. All these ingredients are organic. So you can rest assured you're getting the highest quality product. So if you want to check out the apple cider vinegar complex, go to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off today. If we're going to be healthy in the 21st century, we have got to keep inflammation under control. Inflammation is literally the root cause of all the different degenerative chronic health conditions, things like Alzheimer's, heart disease, Parkinson's disease, cancer, diabetes. These are all characterized by chronic inflammation. And so I went ahead and I interviewed some of the top experts in the world when it comes to inflammation and I actually created a summit. It was called the Chronic Inflammation Summit. We hosted it in May of 2021. You may have listened, you may not have, but I wanted to share some of my favorite interviews on this podcast. And this is one of them. You guys are going to get so much value out of this podcast. And if you know anybody that's struggling with any sort of chronic health conditions, maybe they have pain in their body, digestive issues, autoimmunity, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, brain issues, please share this podcast with them. It could literally change and save their lives. And if you haven't already, take a moment and leave us a five-star review. 
Your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much for doing that. And let's go into the show. Well, hey, everybody. Today we are talking about pain. So many of you guys are out there, you're suffering with chronic inflammation and chronic joint pain. And you've tried a lot of different things and haven't seen results. And so I've got a great expert. We're going to talk about chronic pain. We're going to talk about things you could be doing at home to help provide solutions for you, things that you should be looking out for, and really just giving you a better understanding of what chronic pain is and and what's happening in your body. And again, really offering you solutions and hope. And so we've got Dr. Yoni Witten. He's an expert in the art and science of permanent pain resolution. In addition to his hands-on work with patients over the last 15 years, Dr. Witten has spent years researching and studying with experts in manual medicine, functional neurology, and rehabilitation. Through his practice, he's developed a revolutionary approach to chronic pain. Now the system that Dr. Witten developed has been codified and is available to chronic pain sufferers around the world. The Pain Fix Protocol blends the latest scientific research with essential concepts from the fields of natural movement, evolutionary health, nutrition, structural hygiene, self-care, and human performance. So he has got the pain fix protocol that you guys will be able to check out. Dr. Yoni, welcome to the summit here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Jockers. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about chronic pain. You know, what is it and why it's why is it such a huge problem in our society today? I think I would start with what pain is, uh, just because it's important for people to have a have a grasp of that before we move on to anything else. And pain is just a it's a warning signal from the body, just like the check engine light when you're in your car, when, when you're driving and that light pops on. It's a sign that something's wrong. And so neurologically speaking, for that signal to pop up and and enter your conscious mind, it means that signaling of something called nociception, which is noxious stimuli, and it can come from any number of different things, has reached a threshold level where the body can no longer deal with it uh, on a subconscious level, and it needs to recruit your conscious mind to, uh, to deal with the problem and figure out what it is and then, and then resolve it. So most issues are resolved on the subconscious level without us ever being aware of them. So once it becomes pain, it's the conscious awareness of those signals. So we can all have, you know, certain stimuli or, you know, something rubbing against us or whatever it is, uh, even, you know, bacteria that are breaking down part of our, you know, our skin or part of our tissue and sure. not feel it because it hasn't hit that threshold. Right. Sure. And meanwhile, our body kind of mitigates it, takes care of it, our natural immune defenses, uh, start to take care of those things and keep them at bay. And we don't feel them, but when it hits that threshold, that's when we feel it. And for a lot of people, they have like a, a lowered threshold for pain, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to somebody else, right? Because pain can be, again, it's, it can be more of a perception or an alteration in the nervous system as well. Can it? Yeah. So, so I, you, you touched on a few things there and, and, and I'll just unpack that a little bit. So it's important to understand that pain is an intelligent signal. It's put there for a reason. It's not yeah. random. Um, and, and like you said, most of it is handled subconsciously so that we can deal with, you know, feeding ourselves and interpersonal relationships and, and higher, higher order stuff. So the classic example here would be uh, touching a hot stove. So that reflex arc happens way before the sensation of pain even hits the brain. 
And you know this, you're shaking your head because it's a loop that hits the spinal cord and comes back and triggers the reaction. Your, your body's like, oh, I got this. Don't worry. I'm going to save you from doing the stupid thing that you're about to do, whether you're yeah. knowingly or unknowingly. The issue with what you said there, when it, when, it, when it starts to become that awareness level is a lot of times nowadays we're, we're not recognizing what's causing the noxious input because it can be actual noxious input, or it can be, hey, maybe this is going to hurt. Your, your brain can be interpreting like an anticipation of a problem. So it can even be visual. Like if you see something scary coming at you, that's your body's going to have an, an alarm type reaction to that. It can be a food sensitivity. It can be the exposure to the tons of chemicals that are in our environment that our body has no natural defenses against. Um, I saw an interesting study on... Um, uh, morning sickness in pregnant women oh. that said that it was all exposure to noxious chemicals. Really? So that morning sickness was uh, in an evolutionary, from an evolutionary standpoint is completely unnatural. And, and women hmm. didn't used to have to deal with it when we didn't have those types of toxins in our environment, which makes sense, you know, because you have, uh, I know you have children and, and, yeah. and I have, I've got my second on the way right now. And, and my wife, you know, any pregnant woman will tell you like certain food flavors or certain smells of like products, it can drive them absolutely mad when they're pregnant. And I think it's, mm. it's that heightened sensitivity when they're more vulnerable during the pregnancy and, and essentially there to protect us and ensure our survival, which is exactly what pain is there for. It's, it's a survival mechanism. It's, yeah. it's to keep us alive and, and make sure we survive long enough to reproduce and raise children. Yeah. So that's a great message. Summarize that chronic pain is really a, a life-saving signal in our body. And it's actually, like you said, a form of intelligence. I really like that terminology. Yeah, well, I, I would or push pain that. should be. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, th yeah not chronic pain. pain. Not chronic. Yeah. <laughs> not chronic pain, but pain itself is actually an intelligence. Now, how about when pain gets chronic and why is chronic pain such a big issue in our society? Yeah. So I'm glad we went back and we made that differentiation between yeah. pain being that essential survival mechanism and chronic pain is still intelligent. And this is important to note. It's basically, so you're familiar with the said principle, I'm sure it's specific adaptation to impose mm. demand. Yeah. We usually talk about it in terms of athletic performance. So weightlifting is the classic example. You start out lifting five pounds and it's very difficult to get five or 10 repetitions. And then eventually you work your way up to 10 or 12 pounds. The muscles grow larger. The neural, uh, the neural system becomes more efficient at firing those muscles. So you become more adapted to performing that activity. That's essentially what's happening with chronic pain. And it's really interesting. So the body's applying this training effect where you're having this repeated input of noxious stimuli your brain is understanding that the stimuli keeps coming in. So your, your conscious brain is not getting the message that it needs to, that it needs to be getting. So what your brain does is it changes the architecture of your neurological system. So it'll actually lay down thicker fibers to transmit more signals to the conscious centers of your brain. It'll increase what's called synaptogenesis. So connectivity of the fibers. It's like um, if you had a lot of traffic in a, in, a, in a city and you were trying to get people from A to B and have less congestion and more efficiency with those with the passing through of that traffic, you would make more connections of different roads so that people had more options to get from point A to point B. Mm. 
And then it'll actually reduce, which is what you mentioned earlier on, reduce the threshold so that the signals don't have to go as far in order to get up to that conscious level. So all of these adaptations are uh, intelligent if you take the stance that we're trying to get this message up to your conscious brain so that you understand what your body is telling you. Mm -hmm. So I always say to my patients when I'm explaining it, I don't go through all the neurology of it, but I'll say eventually pain starts out as a whisper. Hey, Dr. Jockers, I need you to, I need you to change something that you're doing. And then they'll start speaking at, at regular volume. And then they'll start elevating their volume. Hey, I really need you to change what you're doing here. And then they'll start yelling and then they'll start screaming at the top of their lungs. And that's what chronic pain is. It's still Hmm. intelligent. It's still trying to get you to make that change. And it's working like crazy. You know, the body's it's all about efficiency. It never wants to spend any more energy than it absolutely has to. So if it's spending all the energy to change the architecture of your neurological system, and it's using resources to build all that out, it's for a very good reason. And our job as, as clinicians is to help direct patients and the patient's job or the person who's suffering with pain, their job is to figure out what those signals, what their body's trying to tell them. Yeah. Really, really interesting. These uh, neuroplastic changes that are taking place in the nervous system and how the nervous system rewires itself like that. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing people with chronic pain making? I would say the biggest mistake is what we just touched on there, which is rushing to cover up the problem without taking the time to understand what those signals are trying to tell you. Mm. So it's really, it's, it's really, really strange. And we're marketed to death in this country to do this. You know, you have a headache, take this pill. Don't bother figuring out what led to the headache. You have back pain, take this pill. Look at what the dental profession has done. Cause if anybody goes in to see their medical doctor and they're like, Oh, I have, I have a headache. Oh, I have back pain. Um, they're just give them a pill. I just had a patient come in yesterday, excruciating, completely antalgic bent sideways, couldn't stand up straight. He's been like that for three weeks. When he went into urgent care, Dr. Jockers, they didn't even do an exam. Really? They gave him drugs without any examination. Wow. Wow. I mean, a lot of the drugs that they're giving are are things like opioids, right? They didn't Uh, go to addictive. They didn't go with, they didn't go to yeah. opioids right off the bat with this particular patient. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen it before in the, in his case, you know, they do the standard, the non-steroidal yeah. anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants route, uh, but it didn't touch this guy's situation. But, but that's really the mistake is rushing in to, to block the signal in some way without bothering to even understand what's causing yeah. the signal. And, and if you, and if you juxtapose that with what the dental profession has, has accomplished, they know if somebody goes in with tooth pain or jaw pain and they go in to see a dentist, no person in their right mind would ever accept coming out of that dental office with a prescription for painkillers. Right. And they're like, oh, you don't need to know what's causing the pain. Just, just take these pills to cover it up. It's like, no, that's not going to cut it. Everybody who goes to the dentist automatically understands that. But if they go in to see a medical doctor for m- most chronic pain problems and they come out with a drug, to cover up those signals, they feel like that doctor has done their job and and nothing could be further from the truth. I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you how important your immune system is and how it protects you from viruses, bacteria, parasites, 
and other pathogens. You see, your body was created to overcome the challenges from the environment. However, you must be an active participant and work to make your body stronger and more resilient to stress. And that is why I created our 10-in-1 Immunocharge formula because it's designed to help you do that. As I was studying the immune system, I found that there are critical nutrients that really support your body and give you more immune-modulating power. These include things like quercetin, resveratrol, vitamin D, vitamin A, selenium, zinc, vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine, vitamin K2, and magnesium. And I used to supplement with all of these. I was taking 14 different capsules to get all these critical nutrients. And that is why I designed a product called Immunocharge. I actually put all of these nutrients in their clinical dosages that actually work in your body that are research-based. And all you have to do is take four capsules a day. So I take two capsules twice a day to help strengthen my immune function, to help keep inflammation under control. And so this really works and it really helps. It's called Immunocharge. You can actually get 30% off by going to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash Immunocharge, I-M-M-U-N-O-C-H-A-R-G-E and use the coupon code immune30 at checkout to save 30% off on Immunocharge. Whatever you do, you got to do everything you can to keep your immune system as strong and healthy as possible so you can be resilient to the different environmental stressors you face. Immunocharge is there to help you with that. Again, go to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash Immunocharge. Use the coupon code immune30 at checkout to save 30% off today. Absolutely. So the biggest mistake is people are settling for this idea that just getting a pill, right, or something like that, just getting something to cover up the symptom is actually fixing the problem. But it's giving them, in some cases, giving them temporary relief, sure. which, which has value, but it's not actually getting to the root cause. And that, depending on what the root cause is, the root cause can actually get worse and worse over time and cause even more serious issues down the road. Is that correct? So what you're saying there is exactly one of the drivers of chronicity that we were just talking about. Yeah. So remember, if that noxious stimuli is coming in, the body will lay down more architecture to get that signal up to your chronic brain, uh, to your conscious brain so that you get the message. If you're just covering up the signals, that noxious yeah. stimuli finds a way in. There was a study in uh, 2016 out of the University of Colorado at Boulder that found that taking opioids for five days led to an increase in pain. And this is exactly what's happening. Um, You're trying yeah. to block those signals and the body's like, no, 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 no. I need you to get this message. It'll find a way to get mm. it in, which yeah. leads to people taking more opioids. Right. So that's by far the biggest problem is I mean, you wouldn't settle going to, to the mechanic and you're like, hey, uh, check engine lights on. A guy goes back there with a piece of black tape and puts it yeah. over the check engine light. Hey, problem solved. You're ready to go. Take it out for a spin. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's unacceptable. You know, you're going to end up broken down on the side of the road in the case of the car. In the case of, of, of pain, you're going to end up chronic if you don't figure out what's driving those signals mm. and then take steps to mitigate it. So how does somebody go about trying to find the root cause, right? And actually get that addressed. So that's, that's really the magic. And that's the difficult uh, part about creating a general program for chronic yeah. pain, because there's quite a variety. 
So here we have to draw on the numbers. And, and of course, some people are going to get hung out uh, of, these, of these generalizations because the chronic pain condition that they're dealing with is much less common than say the, the heavy hitters. So the heavy hitters, you got one and a half billion people in the world that are currently suffering with chronic pain, which is massive. I mean, you're yeah. talking roughly 20% of the world's population. Wow. One third of it is back pain, 500 million people. Okay. Then you get into headaches and neck pain. That's pretty much tied for number two. And then you get into your joint pains. And of course the biggies, there are going to be your shoulders and your knees and your hands and your feet and this kind of stuff. Yep. But those are essentially the, the heavy hitters. And that's what my program is designed to work with. So I, I have people reach out to me and they have these unfortunately very exotic conditions that it's, it would be extraordinarily difficult to create a generalized online program to deal right. with those types of issues. Now, there are certain things, and you would know this as a functional medicine practitioner, that you can do for everybody to yeah. improve their overall health status, and that will improve the nature of that person's condition. Um, but making specific recommendations for very exotic forms of, of chronic pain is, is challenging, to say the least. For sure. Now you said that you're you're addressing the heavy hitters there, which are your back pain, right? You yes. said one third are dealing with back pain. Yes. Uh, you've got neck pain and headaches, right? And then you've got the joint pain. Yes. So what are you doing with your protocol to help rewire the brain, help obviously address the root cause and create more more stability there in those mm -hmm. uh, injured areas? Yeah. So um, we're going to go back to the definition of pain, which is nociception yeah. hitting threshold levels. So the way to deal with this is twofold. Obviously, we want to reduce nociception. So we want to identify contributors to, to nociceptive input. And again, here we go back to the data to find our way in the dark. You know, in, in, in the clinic, if I'm working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, when I'm trying to find my way with them, I'm always looking to functionality. How do they move? How do they perform? Where's the limitation? You know, this, this is what gives absolute clarity because pain signals are extremely difficult to track. Subjective. Yeah. You know, you can't tell a person what their pain level is and, uh, and pain levels can change rapidly from day to day or from minute to minute even. Yeah. So functionality is always the thing that is the constant. That's your North star as a, as a practitioner working with chronic pain, because it always tells you the truth. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I always said is that, uh, you know, I, I sometimes envy veterinarians because they never get lost in the words. <laughs> yeah. They can just look and, right. and see the objective findings. So uh, to get back to your question, so we're looking for the data. And what we know about chronic pain, and, and we have the most data available on back pain because it's the most prevalent condition in the world, and, and the, the, the incidence rate among Western populations is enormous. It's something like 85 to 90% of people will experience it at some point in their lives. And then we have, we have credible research that shows that the, uh, the rate of relapse from these types of problems is over 80%. So it's, yeah. it's massive. Now, here's the other thing that we know that can really start to guide us as far as creating a general protocol that can address a lot of these problems is that the incidence of back pain in Western societies or first world countries is as much as four times greater than undeveloped countries. Really? And so, yeah. 
massive. So now you start saying, okay, we've got a rate that's 400%. What are we doing differently in Western society than, than they're doing in, in undeveloped countries? And we're probably and, sitting a lot more. I would yes, imagine. Sir. That's yeah. exactly right. That's, that's one of the things. As we, I'm here on my stand-up desk doing this uh, interview here, right? <laughs> so I'm in my kneeling chair. And I <laughs> oh, there you walking. go. Yeah. I'm rocking forward here. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, you're right. We're sitting more which means we're moving less. I, I just yeah. saw research that shows that Americans are sitting 10 plus hours a day on average wow. now. And we've yeah. got 25% of our population, brand new research from the CDC um, showing that 25% uh, of the population is completely sedentary. They engage in zero physical activity in the United States. Wow. Zero. I mean, that's Unbelievable. It's shocking. It's yeah. shocking. So the, as we've become progressively more modernized, a few things have happened. Like you said, we sit more, we move less. We're at a stage now we just we just uh, are coming through uh, what has been a, a very um, topsy turvy couple yeah. of years. People have been going out even less, moving right. around even less, getting food deliveries, not wanting to go out for whatever reasons. We don't have to talk about that part of it, but but we've gone even more in that direction. Mm -hmm. So less and less away from normal physical activity. So when I say normal, we would take an evolutionary uh, view of things. Humans used to move, walk five to nine miles every day, rain or shine, wow. just to get our basic needs met. And there's an amazing article from the Journal of Applied Physiology that, that documented that if we just went back to that, just that with nothing else, that I forgot the healthcare savings, but it, I believe it was in the trillions. Wow. Yeah. I'm if not it, surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, that walking, that proprioception or the joint movement information up into the brain actually is like an essential nutrient for your brain. Wow. And I've also read, and, you know, going back to pain, how people that are dealing with chronic pain, their brain actually ages faster. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you see that and you also see uh, actual atrophy of the brain. Right. Yeah, yep. atrophy. So they're much higher risk of dementia, Alzheimer's. Yes. yes. Right. All and then that. along the way, you know, when you're in chronic pain, people that are in pain know this, you're more irritable. Your yes. relationships suffer, obviously, because of it. Yes. Um, you're less present with people. And yes. uh, obviously, you're less physically active. Right. Yes. So, so it's a vicious cycle. So here's the thing that I want to do for you now is I want to bridge the link between the two things that you just said. So yeah. in 1993, there's a medical doctor named Hushang Hushmand. He's a uh, neurosurgeon uh, based in Florida. He publishes a book on chronic pain called Reflex, Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy. Mm. And his findings were that joint restriction, limited motion at your joints, leads to decreased firing of mechanoreceptors in the body. So right. you're getting less kinetic, what I call kinetic flow, less proprioceptive input from your joints, which directly leads to increased nociceptive input. Mm, yeah. So that's the bridge between the two. And that's yeah. how it becomes possible to make some general recommendations for the majority of chronic pain sufferers, where we've got a society that's mostly sedentary, We've got a society that has extremely high rates of chronic pain, and we've got studies out of uh, journals like The Lancet, like some of the most well-respected medical journals in the world that are predicting increases in chronic pain around the world as undeveloped countries adopt 
a more Western lifestyle. So we're moving away from what has been the norm throughout the existence of our species, where we're talking walking five to nine miles a day, having to move our bodies to get our basic needs met to this new model that we're living in now, where we're moving less than ever, and we're still able to get all of our needs met. And it just might be that those intelligent pain signals are telling us to move more. We've got great research that shows that, as you were saying a minute ago, just taking a 10-minute walk can dramatically reduce back pain levels. Yeah, really? Just a 10-minute walk? Just a 10-minute yeah. walk. You've got Dr. Stuart McGill, who's the foremost expert in the world on, on back pain, advising his patients to take multiple five to 10-minute walks throughout the day. He said it's the best thing that you can do for back pain. Yeah. And yeah. neurologically speaking, what are you doing? You're driving proprioception. And by doing that, you're dropping nociception. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Hushang Hushman. The guy, the guy was amazing. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to let you know that if you were a coffee drinker, I have some critical information you need to know. You see, coffee is the number one source of antioxidants people are consuming all around the world. It's rich in chlorogenic and caffeic acid which are polyphenols that stabilize your blood sugar, support gut health, and improve your brain. And they also stimulate autophagy and deep cellular healing. So coffee has many amazing health benefits, but there's a dark side to coffee. It often carries mold, dangerous mycotoxins, and is heavily sprayed with pesticides that lead to chronic disease. It's also acidic, causing stomach issues, and many have to stop drinking coffee as they get older because it irritates their stomach lining. That's why I started drinking Life Boost Coffee. I wanted something that had all the health benefits with none of the mold and chemicals found in regular coffee. Plus, it's a shade-grown coffee, which is naturally a low-acid coffee that doesn't hurt my stomach. And they have hundreds of testimonials of people who couldn't stomach traditional coffee, who can now enjoy coffee on a daily basis without any digestive discomfort. They also third-party test for 450-plus toxins, including mycotoxins, molds, heavy metals, pesticides, and even glyphosate, just to make sure it's the cleanest healthiest cup they can provide to their customers. I also really like these guys because they build schools for their farmers' children near the coffee farms where they harvest their, their coffee beans. And their corporate sponsors are the Rainforest Trust to prevent deforestation and protect wildlife. They really care about the environment. And because you're listening to my podcast right now, you can get 50% off your first order by going to www.lifeboostdeal.com. Dot com. That's lifeboostdeal.com. They are, again, shade-grown, low acid, clean and free of toxins, and they taste amazing. Just go to lifeboostdeal.com to get 50% off now. Yeah. And to go back to that point, nociception and mechanoreception. So mechanoreception is basically um, joints sending signals to your brain to tell your brain where they're at in space and how they should be moving. And that's really critical. So you don't fall, trip, right? Things like that. You need this constant information flow as you're moving. And that's competing with this nociception, which is, again, these pain signals getting up to the brain. So the more your brain's hearing the mechanoreception, the less information's coming from, or the less, uh, the quieter the nociception is. Yes. Therefore, you're not noticing you know, that, that signal of pain and you're not getting that change in the neurological architecture to wire your brain 
to be more predisposed to feeling pain on a chronic basis. That's exactly right. And, and patients, anybody who's had chronic pain would know that model very easily. Just look at it, how a TENS unit works. Right. A TENS unit causes a low level proprioceptive or, yep. or mechanoreceptive stimulation that quiets, as you said, such a good word, that quiets those neurological signals, uh, the, the nociceptive signals. Yeah. So, so proprioception, mechanoreception is actually quite a complicated subject. You have joint movement that contributes to it. We have also pressure sensors throughout our body that contribute to it. We have vibration sensors that contribute to it. We have, you know, touch and, and all these different receptors throughout the body. We also have uh, receptors that are like GPS spread throughout our body that are tracking position sense constantly and relaying that signal up to the brain. I mean, you're getting like three to five per second when you're not in motion. Um, so it's like this constant ping that's creating a three-dimensional map inside of your brain that you essentially use to orient yourself for any uh, movement oriented tasks. So, you know, if you go into like a shopping mall and there's a map and it says you are here. Yeah. And then you're trying to get somewhere else. Well, <laughs> The first step is to know where you are. And so that's what all those receptors throughout your body are. They're like little GPSs and they're sending, you are here, you are here. So if I want to go pick up a pen, I first need to know where I'm starting from. Right. And that's what gives you that coordination to be able to actually go down and pick it up. Your brain that's is constantly exactly right. seeing and refining that motion. And so now you can add a whole nother layer to that from uh, this amazing work that's been done on um, like amputees and people that were suffering from mm. phantom limb pain, because they found that you can stimulate that area of the brain just using your visual system. Wow. Yep. So you can now stimulate proprioception, mechanoreception visually. It's an extremely complex. It's absolutely fascinating. They were using this visual stimulation technique and mirror therapy with like 70 to 80% success rates in chronic pain patients, not just amputees. Amazing stuff. Wow. That's really interesting. And so for those of you guys that may have just missed what he said, so phantom limb pain is kind of like when somebody has an amputee, let's say they don't have their left arm, but they still feel like their brain is still perceiving that there's pain in their left arm, but clearly they don't even have their left arm, but that's they're right. feeling it because part of their brain that's associated with that area is, is still lighting up, right? It's still lighting up. And so they're experiencing that. Now, those individuals you're saying did some sort of visual activity thinking that they were you know, moving their left arm, even though they didn't have a left arm. So here's how they do it. Yeah. If, if they're, it, we'll use your example. They're missing their left arm. Yeah. I would set up a mirror here and yeah. have them move their right arm and look in the mirror. So they, it looks like they're moving their left arm. Mm. So for those of you guys that aren't watching on video, he said a mirror, like right next to your left eye and then moving your right arm. So you're seeing as he's, he can look into the mirror and see himself moving his right arm, yes. but he's perceiving it like it's his left arm. That, and, and the results, Dr. Doctors, amazing. I mean, you're talking wow. real-time results. Like, it, it happens in seconds. Wow. So now somebody, now let's take somebody that, you know, has chronic low back pain or something like that, or, you know, shoulder pain or whatever it is, and they, they still have their limb, but they're noticing this sort of chronic pain. And let's say it's associated, you know, at some level, it's associated with a lack of proper movement in that joint they can actually, uh, on top of moving themselves, and there are some people that are in so much pain that it just hurts for them to move. Mm -hmm. So they can start with a visualization practice. That's exactly right. 
Yeah, we have yeah. we have apps on uh, on smartphones now that can be used where you're just looking at somebody else's limb for somebody mm. who's in too much pain and they can't do it at all themselves. They can just wow. look at an app and still stimulate the mechanoreception in their own brain. Absolutely amazing. You can do the mirror therapy where say you have pain that's really bad on one side, but you can still move the other side. So there's lots of options. And, and that's what I really wanted to do with the pain fix protocol is give people options. So no matter where they are on that spectrum, they can start somewhere, start making some progress and then build upon that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So we know movement is really key, but some people don't, don't know how to move their mm -hmm. joints in the proper way. So how That's do you guys right. start to address that? So there's over 70 instructional videos included in the pain yeah. fix protocol and we guide people and there's regressions and progressions so that mm. you can start somebody very easily with, you know, say uh, one of the easiest ways to get somebody who has difficulty moving to move is to remove the load. So get them in a non-weight bearing position, mm. allow them to achieve some success there and then gradually increase the load as time goes on. Again, no different than what we were talking about earlier with, with uh, a resistance training model. Right. Yeah. Where, so where you're starting to take, you're starting to take gravity out of it. I know like when people are recovering from, let's say rotator cuff surgery, one of the things they'll do is kind of put their hand on the wall. Yeah. Like the wall is taking some of their weight off of it. That's right. And then they're just kind of like gradually like moving their arm on the wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to, again, take it out of gravity, right. And kind of help support it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or say with a, a whiplash patient who, you know, yeah. the muscles and the ligaments have been damaged. I'll start reintroducing motion into the neck when they're lying on their back and they don't have to use their muscles because the table yeah. can be fully supporting them. And we can right. teach those joints, Hey, it's safe to move from this position. Basically, you're just trying to teach that person that, Hey, this is safe. You're not going to hurt yourself. No need to fire off mm -hmm. all that neural architecture and reinforce that pain pathway. We can start creating a new pathway that doesn't have an association with pain with it. So essentially you're, I always think of it like there's a, there's a, a, a state park by our house and every once in a while they will close a walking trail for reforestation. They yeah, don't yeah. want anybody walking on it so that it can go back to its natural state. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what we want to do with the pain pathways in the body. And the more you can teach that person how to move and not fire off those pain pathways, the more you can allow those bushes and branches to grow over that old pathway and you can create a new pathway that's pain-free. And, and that's, that's neuroplasticity used for the benefit of that person's quality of life and, and enjoyment. Yeah, that's so good to know. Cause a lot of people I think were intimidated when you said, okay, if we could just go back to walking five to nine miles a day, right? <laughs> we get rid of a lot of these problems. And, and you're right in theory about that. But again, so many people are, are starting in a place where, you know, the, even the idea of walking to their mailbox is, is extremely painful. So there is a place to start for each of these individuals. Well, I, I love how you said that. And, and, and really the five to nine miles, it's, it's an ideal. It's like running an ultra marathon or, or, or an Ironman race. Yeah. Like nobody starts out in life in a point where they're ready to do those kinds of things. You, you it's, it's a long-term goal. And you take a step towards it. You know, there's, there's this amazing principle that came out of feudal Japan. It's called Kaizen. Mm. Americans are, are obsessed with the end result. I think it's, it's wired into our DNA. So they hear five to nine miles and they're like, oh, I got to do it today. I'm going <laughs> to gut it out. And, and, and I love that uh, of, about our country. And it's also, um, it, it takes a toll on us because we don't, not, we don't 
understand the process that goes into it so much, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, Warren Buffett didn't start out where he's ended up. It, it was a process of many years of consistency, consistently Absolutely. working at this thing and learning about it and getting better at it. And so this, this topic, the, the, the idea came out of feudal Japan, it's called Kaizen. And what it means is constant and never ending improvement. Mm. So no matter where you are, you're always striving to get better. There is no finish line essentially. So the, even the five to nine miles is not a finish line. If like you said, the person has difficulty going to the mailbox, that's where you start. Yeah. With a pain patient, you don't even go to the mailbox because you don't want to push them all the way to their limit. I want them to go halfway to their mailbox, come back to the house, still feel good, pat themselves on the back for a great job, and then try it again tomorrow. Hmm, Again, halfway, build up that confidence, be able to perform it without any pain or discomfort, and then slowly build themselves up over time. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Now let's take somebody that, you know, can go out and walk a mile or so. Let's talk about prevention, right? Like what are some of the best movements that people can be doing on a regular basis? Yeah. So, well, you mentioned one of them already that you're doing as we speak here, which is uh, working at a standing desk, sitting less. Uh, I'm, I'm working at a, uh, a kneeling chair, which has one of those actually, right. I have one right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's really good for maintaining neutral uh, head position and uh, spinal curves. So those are easy things that can be coupled into what you're doing already. Like we're having a conversation and both of us are doing those things right now. It's not taking any additional time. So that's what I like to do. Now we, earlier we were talking about what the heavy hitters in chronic pain are. And so when we talk about preventative strategies, what we want to do is again, go back to those heavy hitters. So when we're talking about driving proprioception, driving mechanoreception, we want to understand that the biggest drivers of that joint motion. Yes, but specifically spinal motion. Mm. So the spine has more proprioceptors because it's the foundation for the rest of our body. And because it's an extremely complicated network of joints that, that have to be stable and mobile at the same, same time, it doesn't get enough credit for the amazing job that it does. Um, But the higher we go in the spine, the more of those mechanoreceptors we stimulate. So my favorite way to stimulate mechanoreception is with a very simple neck mobility exercise, Hmm. not a stretch. It's a mobility exercise because movement drives the signals that we're after. So I just have people sit up or stand up really tall. Imagine a dot on the tip of the chin and another on the top of the collarbone. And then you're going to slowly try and connect those dots. So you'll remember from uh, biomechanics class in school, mm-hmm. the alignment of the facet joints in the cervical spine, yeah. they're angled like this. And so when they rotate, they laterally flex over each other to the same side. So when most people turn their necks, they keep their chin up. And what that does is it actually creates some jamming and stress on the joint capsule in, in those facet joints and the little facet joints for the listeners that aren't aware are the joints that actually guide motion in the spine. It's not, hmm. it's not the disc that everybody talks about. It's yeah. the little joints on the back. Um, and so by going in line with that, you're doing two things. Number one, you're getting a more complete range of motion. 
more range of motion directly translates to more proprioception, right? If we have no motion on one end of the spectrum, we're at zero. And if we have complete range of motion on the other end, we're, we're at, or I guess if you wanted to go far enough, you would go to hypermobility and instability where you're getting way too much and now you're dangerous on the other end. Yeah. The body has this funny way of operating where, you know, we like to be in the middle. We call it homeostasis. You go too high, you got a fever. You go too low, you got hypothermia. Either one of those extremes will kill you. So kind of the same with mobility. So we're aiming for normal mobility. And in, in, in the case of cervical rotation, you're talking 85 to 90 degrees over each shoulder. So your nose should be directly in line with your shoulder when you finish this. So the way that I should be moving my neck, because I've just been kind of doing this right here, like you're talking about moving you know, at a 90 degree angle, but I should actually be angling down. Like so what, watching you now, Dr. Jockers, I saw that you just went 10 degrees further when you dropped your chin. Really? Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're actually, your chin is over your shoulders. So you've got excellent mobility. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, now can you do the same to both sides? So a little bit more restricted to the right. A little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, tr now try dropping your chin and see how you do to that uh, right side. So, yeah. So make nice. it, make it, they should happen simultaneously. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah, so you could see like there, you gain about five or 10 degrees yeah. when you drop the chin. Yeah. Yeah. And so all you're doing there is lining up the facet joints. So right. you're getting so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 10 or 15% more yeah. proprioception just by getting 10 or 15% more motion. It's more comfortable, less likely to fire off that, that, mm. that pain pathways. And you're creating that new pathway that we're talking about with a super simple modification. Now you compound the effect by how many repetitions you perform. Mm. So a lot of times I'll take chronic pain patients who like that patient you were describing earlier, that's yeah. in so much pain that they can't do anything. And I'll have them just do that five or 10 times to each side, every waking hour of the day, mm. just to drive proprioception. Yeah. If they can't do it weight bearing, I'll have them lie on their back and do it. Yep. So they're getting the repetition in, getting That's more and more mechanoreception yes. up into that brain yes. and uh, quieting down that nociception. Yes. So it's got to be a pain-free range of motion. Yeah. So we're talking now in that if you're talking practicality, 85 to 90 degrees is normal. You're actually going slightly beyond that over, yeah. over your left shoulder. Um, but, uh, but you don't want somebody forcing it through pain. Absolutely not, because then you're firing off that pain pathway. So right. we want that equation 100% working in our favor, which means if you can only go 20 degrees, then you're going to probably go 17 because yeah. I want you to stop way before your brain even starts to go, oh no, here we go. I don't even want you to get to that point. Mm. I want you to go like, oh wow, this is easy. This feels like nothing. I could do this all day. That's what I want my pain patients to say to me like, oh, this feels like nothing. Are you sure this is doing anything? Yes, I'm 100% yeah. sure it's doing anything. And if you're saying that to me, it means we're on the right track because you couldn't walk 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And your body's going to get, obviously, your nervous system is going to now start to adapt and it's going to become uh, more resilient, right? And it's going to start to break through kind of those plateaus and have improved range of motion just by doing that. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. As soon as you start to feel safe, Remember, your body's all about efficiency. It doesn't want to spend energy that it doesn't have to. So one yep. of the things that, that chronic pain patients suffer from is muscle spasms. You want mm. to talk about something exhausting. How about carrying around a 20-pound dumbbell in front of you like this? How, how right. tired is your biceps going to get? Your body does not want to have muscle knots, muscle spasms. It is incredibly metabolically mm. taxing. Your body does not like spending that energy. It will only do it if it has to do it 
to protect you. Right. So when you start working with your body, instead of working against your body, then you kind of get this positive side effects, the spinoff where, oh my God, everything's so much more relaxed. Yeah. It's because you're working with your body now. Yeah. That's so good to know. How about lower back pain? That's obviously a, a major issue. So what are some movements people can do preventatively uh, to so, help protect against that? Yeah. So one of the things that I would stress right off the bat is that um, the, the chin to shoulder technique that I just showed you, mm. I will use where, regardless of where the pain is in mm. the body. Wow. Really? Yeah. Because upper cervical is the highest concentration oh, yeah. of mechanoreceptors. So I want to fire those off. Even if the person is having hand pain, foot pain, back, lower back pain, I will still use chin to shoulder because wow, that is a really key nugget. I want the listeners to make sure they get that no matter where your pain is. Dr. Witten says working on turning your neck, just neck rotations alone, because of the amount of input, proprioceptive input coming from the upper cervical or the upper neck region into the brain. That's so powerful that that can actually help improve pain in all different parts of the body. And your, your, your right, you know, big toe, right? That's right. They see improvement just by learning how to turn your neck, right. And doing repetitions with that. Well, so the improvement is really coming from driving proprioception and mechanical. Right. That's the main right. thing. So remember what we were talking about earlier with the phantom limb pain. Look, you're having pain. You want to talk about pain that's coming from decreased joint mobility. How about if the joint is not even there for yeah. you to move it, <laughs> right? So now you have to figure out a way. And these guys are getting results with this mirror therapy, mm. just getting input to the brain without yeah. ever touching the, li the limb that's hurting. Right. So, so the driver, the most important thing in all of this is that proprioception getting into your brain, even if it's coming in visually and you're not moving at all, it's still accomplishing what we need it to accomplish. Wow. That is a powerful takeaway right there. So good. Now I know you have the pain fix protocol. Actually, before we get into that, what are some other just general lifestyle things that you you know, feel like would just help all of our listeners when it comes to dealing with chronic pain, like outside of movement, um, you know, should they drink more water? What, what are some just general lifestyle stuff too, that they can actually, continue? you, you just knocked it out of the park on that one. Dr. Doctors water intake has a, a yeah. an amazing link, uh, with, with chronic pain, um, yeah. sleep has an, uh, here in the, I'll just touch on this as well. We've got like 85% of our population, according to a Mayo clinic study that, uh, is dehydrated chronically. They're actually yeah. in a, a fluid deficit where they're mm. excreting more than they're taking in each day. Yeah. So you, you can tell. I mean, there's a percentage of people that are drinking more coffee than water. Right? That's exactly <laughs> right. Now, yeah. now that's, that's an, an, an interesting thing, depending on where they are on the spectrum of how long they've been drinking coffee, that may or may not be mm. a problem because the water that comes in with coffee does contribute to your hydration needs. Yeah. Although obviously you're getting some diuretic effect from the caffeine, not to mention, um, it's questionable whether you want to be stimulating the neurological system in that way for a person who's got chronic pain. And I, right. I would certainly take issue with that. So yeah, I mean, you're, again, you start getting into the weeds on that and the answer <laughs> becomes less clear. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I agree with you in general, that caffeine is, is, is probably not an optimal thing to be taking in every day. Um, but the, the net fluid loss is a big deal. Um, you're it's, it's like a person who's spending more money than they make every single yeah. day. It's like, you're, you're just, you're just a matter of time before you go broke. Um, dehydration leads to decreased performance in athletics, uh, decreased ability, decreased strength, 
increased fatigability. Um, interesting studies on, on dehydration. One of them show uh, multiple studies have shown, uh, pain catastrophizing in conjunction with dehydration. So pain problems seeming worse, more painful, um, seeming bigger, seeming more out of control, seem you seeming more powerless against them. So now if you reverse that and you say just by being hydrated, less pain, less of a problem does not feel as big or daunting a task to deal with. I mean, drinking yeah. water as far as bang for the buck is, is a huge thing that you can mm. do. Um, like Dr. Stuart McGill says, taking multiple, very short walks throughout the day. Yeah. And again, forget the five to nine miles thing. That was just what that study said. And it's a, say a way of saving trillions of dollars in healthcare costs each year, just by getting people to to dedicate some time to themselves each day. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not a lot to ask. We, 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 we need to be caring for, for what we've been given because we, right. we only get one shot at it. Yep. Um, so uh, multiple, multiple walks a day. Dr. Stuart McGill specifically says that a short walk stopping before pain and fatigue sets mm -hmm. in. You want to yeah. get home. Like I said, you want to be feeling great. You want to pat yourself on the back and you want to say, look at that. I did it. And, and, and it felt so good that I want to do it again tomorrow. Mm. Um, another thing that's huge and direct links to, to chronic pain is sleep. And there's a yeah. whole bonus section in the pain fix protocol on optimizing sleep. And there's, it's like water. There's so many easy mm. things that you can be doing to optimize sleep. And it translates directly to less pain. You're talking one night of bad sleep increases perceived pain levels dramatically, right? One night. But the cool thing is, as, as we've been saying with all of this is the reverse is also true. It means if you get one night of good sleep, pain seems less. Yeah. And you could have done nothing else, just slept well, yeah. which is going to benefit you in all sorts of other ways. Yeah. So powerful stuff. So hydrating well, making sure you're taking short, short breaks for movement. And even if it, you know, it's, it's, let's say it's raining outside or something like that, just kind of walking around your house or even getting on like a little rebounder. Are you a fan yeah. of those? Like just uh, a little I small trampoline that you can kind of bounce on a little bit. Sure. So all you're talking yeah. about there is what I call the, the kinetic flow continuum. How much yeah. proprioception, mechanoreception can you drive? So one of the pieces of um, healthcare equipment that I've invested in for my clinic and for my home is a vibration platform. Yeah, vibration. If you want to talk about ramping up proprioception like crazy, amazing studies with um, using whole body vibration on fibromyalgia sufferers, where mm. the study lasts like four weeks and they're having two groups of people do a series of exercises. One group does it on an exercise platform. The other, uh, both groups do it on a vibration platform. One group, the platform's turned off. The other group, the platform is turned on. They do a reevaluation five months after the intervention. And the fibromyalgia uh, patients who were doing it on the vibration platform that was turned on had way lower pain levels, le less anxiety, wow. less depression. They were better able to perform their activities of daily living, able to spend more time with friends and family, just like life was better. And you're talking about five months after they finished four weeks of wow. exercising on a vibration platform. So five months so, after, because it ramped up so much proprioception, it changed it. the neurological architecture in the brain. So That's they weren't exactly. so... Uh, high wired for pain. So it's, it's super cool because essentially what it means is, is you have basically like an account inside of your body and you can build up credits in yeah. that account and it will carry you over, wow. which is like what we do in so many other areas of life. Like we do it with food, right? Yeah. Uh, we would build up 
food and stored on our body during mm-hmm. leaner times when, you know, yeah. the food wasn't abundant. And, and, and that's, so it's nice when you start seeing these rules that are, that are applied broadly across the body. You're not seeing things that work this way just here. It's, it's the way that it works across the, uh, across the spectrum in the body. Wow. This has been a great interview, Dr. Witten. And if you could uh, tell us about your pain fix protocol, what, what that consists of and how people can get, get access to that. Cause you've given us so many nuggets here. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening that really want to take the next step and, uh, and follow your program. Sure. Well, they can go to www.painfixprotocol.com and, uh, there's laid out there a lot of the information that we've gone over here. Some of this stuff is, is brand new and we're talking about it yeah. for the, for the first time. Um, but, uh, the pain fix protocol, it's self-guided. So you go through a class that will educate you on what's, what pain is, why it happens. Some of the stuff that we've covered here, but we'll go into a lot of detail. I like digging into the science, um, so that people can have agency, uh, in, in changing their situation. I, I, I want to really show people that they're in charge of what's of what's happening. They have some say in it and they can influence the outcome. And, and that's really what the pain fix protocol is about. So you go through a masterclass on pain and then there is eight separate sections, depending on whether you have neck pain, shoulder pain, mid back, a couple different low back pain sections, because it's the most common pain syndrome yeah. in the world. They've got hip, uh, knees, hands and wrists and feet and ankles. And what I did with this program is I take people step-by-step through a self-assessment and I have them find the functional indicators that are contributing the most nociceptive signals to their particular pain condition. And then that will guide them which of the eight protocols that they can follow. And then I have programming laid out week by week for an eight-week program. They can assess themselves as they go through. They've got access to all 70 of the how-to videos where I walk them through each of the steps and go through progressions and regressions, and and it's all laid out for them. Well, that's great. You know, I just want to acknowledge all the great work you've done on that. Obviously, you know, this is an area that you're passionate about. You've been helping people uh, for, you know, probably almost two decades now with, uh, with, with these kinds of issues. You've put so much thought and study into this. And so guys, if you're in pain, you want help, the pain fix protocol, check it out. Uh, check out Dr. Yoni Witten and all the work, great work that he is doing. And so thanks again so much for being a part of this. And guys, we'll see you on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.